Hi there and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Kieran Thomas, and I wanna thank you so much for being here and being a proactive parent and getting the resources that you need to let your child live their most fulfilling and independent life possible. When my own son was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies and there was nothing else that we could do for him but manage his symptoms the rest of his life. But I didn't wanna do that. Fortunately, my background in craniosacral therapy Look, now 30 years, let me know that the brain can and does heal, but I didn't know that much about autism. What I did know is that I didn't want to just mask the symptoms with dangerous drugs. I wanted to find the causes and work with them naturally. And fast forward, it took me a decade and a lot of time and effort, but today my son is no longer diagnosable with autism after being told it could not happen. So I'm here to share with you valuable resources to save you the time and some of the expense that I had to spend to figure it out and to help you let your child lead to their best results possible. Every child's level of recovery is different, but we know that children who couldn't sleep through the night are sleeping now through the night and happily. Their immune systems are now strong where they were once sick all the time. Children who were nonverbal and their parents were told they could never speak are now speaking. Children who were getting D's and F's in school are getting A's and B's. And those that were so anxious all the time and couldn't sit still and, and were uncomfortable in their own bodies are now calm and happy and relaxed. And they're leading fulfilling and independent lives with friends. This is what we want for our kids. So I'm here to share the resources with you so that you can get the best results for your child the best possible. And you can start that right now with my free download of this top seven foods to eliminate beginning today of the top foods that are the most inflammatory and toxic that are contributing to those physical and behavioral symptoms of autism that your child is having. They're making his life uncomfortable. So you can get that right now at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash seven foods and feel free to share that with anybody you know who would be interested. And I will also link to it in today's show notes. There's of course a lot more than diet, but this is something you could start doing today that will begin to reduce those symptoms. And I'm happy to share everything I can with you. So right now, let's dive into today's episode. I am always happy that you're here with me, but today I'm especially happy because this could prove to be one of the most beneficial podcasts on autism that you have ever listened to. I have decided that it was time to get very clear on explaining the causes of the symptoms of autism. So first of all, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been told that your child cannot recover from autism? Yeah, me too. That's exactly what, what my story was. Yet today, my son is no longer diagnosable with any of the symptoms of autism that he once had. Sometimes instead of getting excited when they hear this, a parent will get defensive as though someone is trying to change who their child is. Autism is not a who, it's a what. Do you ever wonder why some parents are able to recover their children from the symptoms of autism while others are struggling with constant illnesses and behaviors that don't ever seem to improve regardless of how hard they seem to be working? Well, if you're a parent of a child newly diagnosed with autism, but you aren't finding the answers you need, or you're a parent of a child with autism who has been searching for years to find the right solutions to help your child, but you're not getting the positive results you hope for, 
then stay with me because you're going to discover why persistent parents like you and me can get our children better, faster, safer, and with the least amount of expense. And also why it's really critical that you get all of the right resources in place right now. My goal is simple. It is to help you more easily bring your child to the healthiest outcome that's possible for them. Whether you're new to the autism journey or you've been on it for years, this open episode can help you. And the more you truly understand and narrow down what it is you need to do and how to do it, the greater opportunity you'll have to experience your child living a better quality of life. So first, you've got to believe that your child can get better, any amount of better. Every child's level of recovery is different, but every child can improve if you know what to do and all of the steps to do it. We're going to cover a lot of that today. First of all, knowledge is key. The more you know, the more you're able to do and do the right steps. You may have not seen anything in the past that has given you results. So keep an open mind as we move forward. And that's all I ask of you for your child's sake. The question always arises, what causes the symptoms of autism? Is autism, is it autism or is there something underlying? that is causing the symptoms in a child that are mimicking those of autism. Now, this may seem like an odd thing to say, but there is a lot of truth behind it. Autism can be a symptom, not a diagnosis. It can be a symptom of something underlying, such as toxins, pathogens, infections, a compromised immune system, and inflammation in the brain. Many things cause us symptoms of autism. It is not just one thing. And this information may be completely contradictory of what experts and non-experts, such as friends and relatives, have told you before. And I understand that. Have you ever heard that recovery isn't possible? And then they'll say, well, autism recovery is not possible. And I'll say, yeah, well, tell that to my son. <laughs> it, you know, if I hadn't experienced it myself, I wouldn't be able to say that as a fact, but it is. And again, I like to say everybody's level of recovery and improvement is different because the definition of recovery is to regain health. But my son and many children of parents I've helped have had their children's diagnoses removed. When my own son was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies, but there was nothing we could do for him otherwise, except manage his symptoms. Knowing life was going to be really difficult for him and the rest of our family, because living with the symptoms of oppositional defiance disorder and OCD and sensory issues that made it difficult for him to sit in a classroom, constantly getting in trouble, an inability to focus and concentrate when I knew how brilliant he was. And then having difficult sleeping, connecting with others, making friends, all of his digestive disorders and those debilitating headaches and stomach aches that would wake him up at 3 a.m. screaming in pain. So I began my own research to help him feel better. I just wanted to make his life more pleasant. Whatever I was going to be able to do for him, I knew there was something that I could do to help him. But I got a lot more. It took me a decade to figure it out. But today, my son, again, is no longer diagnosable with any of those symptoms of autism. He lives a happy, healthy life. He is free of those debilitating symptoms. He's a college graduate. He lived over a thousand miles away in his own apartment when he was going to college. Absolutely fun, independent. And now I'm able to share with you what I've learned with and with other parents too worldwide who wish to help their children to live totally to their highest 
potential. So first of all, to compare symptoms, let's look at the diagnostic criteria for autism as in the DSM. The DSM stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is a manual published by the American Psychiatric Association. The manual includes classifications of psychiatric disorders for use by medical and mental health professionals, Clinicians often refer to versions of the DSM to look for diagnostic codes or different disorders and examine criteria for a diagnosis. And about 25% of disorders are specific to children and are in the section of disorders usually first diagnosed in infancy, childhood, and adolescence. Autism and related disorders have been specifically included in different versions of the DSM since 1980. Now let's look at the latest edition of the DSM. The DSM-5 made significant changes to the diagnostic criteria for autism and related disorders. In DSM-5, separate diagnoses were classified under the heading pervasive development disorder, autistic disorder, Asperger's syndrome, pervasive development disorder, not otherwise specifically uh, specified, Rett syndrome, and childhood disintegrative disorder. The pervasive development disorder category no longer appears in the DSM-5 and autistic disorder. Asperger's syndrome and PDD-NOS have now been combined into one label, autism spectrum disorders or ASD. The criteria in the DSM-5 for diagnosing ASD include three listed deficits in social communication and social interactions. Clinicians must be sure that these characteristics are not due to developmental delay alone to be diagnosed with ASD. An individual must meet all three of the following criteria. Number one, difficulties in social emotional reciprocity, including trouble with social approach, back and forth conversation, sharing interests with others and expressing and understanding emotions. Number two, difficulties in nonverbal communication used for social interaction, including abnormal eye contact and body language and difficulty with understanding the use of nonverbal communication like facial expressions or gestures for communication. And number three, Deficits in developing and maintaining relationships with other people other than with caregivers, including lack of interest in others, difficulties responding to different social contexts, and difficulties in sharing imaginative play with others. The criteria in the DSM-5 also include demonstrating at least two of the following four restricted and repetitive behavior interests or activities. One, Stereotype speech with repetitive motor movements, echolalia, which is repeating words and phrases, often maybe they've heard on television or from other people, and repetitive use of objects of normal phrases. Number two, rigid adherence to routines, ritualized patterns of verbal and nonverbal behaviors, and extreme resistance to change. The individual may become greatly distressed at small changes in these routines. Number three, highly restricted interests with abnormal intensity or focus, such as strong attachment to unusual objects and obsessions with certain interests. 
Number four, increased or decreased reactivity to sensory input or unusual interest in sensory aspects of the environment, such as not reacting to pain, strong dislike for specific sounds, excessive touching or smelling of objects, or a fascination with spinning objects. Under the DSM-5, ASD is now diagnosed by symptoms based on both the current functioning and past functioning of an individual. This new observational criteria will allow clinicians to diagnose people who may have shown some signs early in development, but whose symptoms didn't become clear until adolescence or adulthood. In addition to the changes in criteria for the ASD diagnosis, the new DSM-5 has also added a severity rating. The new DSM offers ways to identify ASD individuals of severity for each individual, and the three levels of severity include level one, requiring support, meaning individuals with this level have difficulty initiating social interactions, may exhibit unusual or unsuccessful responses to social advances made by others, may seem to have decreased interest in social interactions. Additionally, repetitive behaviors may may interfere with daily functioning, and they may have some difficulty redirecting from their fixed interests. Level two, requiring substantial support. These individuals with this level of severity exhibit marked delays in Verbal and nonverbal communication. Individuals have limited interest or ability to initiate social interactions and have difficulty forming social relationships with others, even with support in place. These individuals' restricted interests and repetitive behaviors are obvious to the casual observer and can interfere with functioning in a variety of contexts. High levels of distress or frustration may occur when interests and behaviors are interrupted. Level three, requiring very substantial support. This level of severity causes individuals with ASD severe impairment in daily functioning. These individuals have very limited initiation of social interaction and minimal response to social overtures by others and may be extremely limited in verbal communication abilities. Preoccupations fixed rituals, and or repetitive behaviors greatly interfere with daily functioning and make it difficult to cope with change. It is very difficult to redirect this person from fixated interests. Does any of this sound familiar to you with your child? Now, I'd like to further on, now that you've heard those things, we're going to look at causes of symptoms. I'm all about the causes. Does uh, now... We're going to look at um, symptoms from various toxins, pathogens, and co-infections. Many of them do mimic the symptoms of autism. Parents ask me all the time, Karen, why does my child do this? And they'll say, uh, you know, you know, hand flapping or, um, or OCD, or why do they have a rash? There are a lot of reasons behind these. Every child's different, but there are some common, uh, some common pathogens and toxins and ways that we release them that do give us some symptoms and some guidance. So I'm going to share that with you. And the answer again varies because the causes are all always different in how they, those causes are affecting the brain um, and really how the inflammation they're causing is affecting the brain and what parts of the brain as well and to what depth. 
So there can be multiple causes and multiple symptoms, depending on where the body and the brain are being affected, affected by the toxin or organism and the inflammation. Again, they're creating, it's again, not ever just one thing and that's it. That's why some people will say, oh, well, I've had my child on a gluten-free, casein-free diet for years. And we noticed improvements, but they're really, they're not getting that much better. Well, that's one little piece of the pie. So let's go, you know, there's a lot more to do. So let's go into this here. I'll start first with the gut. Okay. Leaky gut, you know, yeast or candida is a living organism. It can attach itself to the wall of the intestines, create holes that allow undigested foods and other toxins to enter the bloodstream. It's called leaky gut, obviously for that same reason. It leaks, that allows leakage through the gut walls. If any food gets into the bloodstream intact, it can then be very, very toxic to the entire system, especially to the brain. It lowers the resistance to infections and leaves us vulnerable to greater susceptibility of food intolerances and allergies. This is something we see commonly in children with autism. Most people, including my own son, uh, you know, I... I would, my son had a lot of, of uh, digestive issues when he was when he was a little boy. Today, my son is 25. Immune reactions of this sort cause the body to be in continual fight a fight for health. When the immune system is constantly in the on position, it be, can become depleted, leaving us even more vulnerable to infectious diseases and autoimmune illnesses. It also depletes the body's level of the brain messenger serotonin which contributes to anxiety, depression, and sleep disorders, to name really just a few. Candida itself, some examples of illnesses caused by candida, the overgrowth of this, this um, bacteria in the gut, uh, and larger molecules passing through the gut, some of these symptoms you might notice or people might notice are rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, food allergies, celiac disease, skin disorders, such as eczema and pancreatic dysfunction, which all reduce the body's ability to produce enough enzymes needed for digestion of food for many necessary cellular reactions. But what we often see also are the emotional components, and they're just as bad, if not worse. The symptoms include, but are in no way limited to, hyperactivity and inability to handle emotions, aggressive behavior, brain fog, poor vision, missed sleep, constipation, diarrhea, rashes, OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder, memory loss, poor coordination, and extreme fatigue. Now, just to know, candida can also be passed in utero from mom to the baby. So they can be born with susceptibilities. Uh, already. So you might want to, as we're going through this, think about the symptoms that you find yourself having that maybe you're not diagnosed with autism, but you're having a lot of these same symptoms and it's how your child's brain was affected. So again, we're going to go through these, but no, but by clearing them up, these symptoms, because they're just symptoms can go away. Adrenal fatigue erupts from the body working tirelessly, often since birth, to balance the pathogens and the toxins, which disrupt the neurotransmitters and blood sugar and hormones, GI and the immune system efficiency. And these all create negative behaviors and miswiring of the brain, especially during development. An imbalance of adrenal hormones can impair the body's ability to grow and recover from illness and injury. And as the suppressed immune system weakens even further, those pathogenic bacteria are fed the foods that help them grow 
And eventually the child begin, begins having physical and emotional symptoms due to the toxins. And again, the inflammation invading his blood and his neurological system, of course, his brain. Um, right here, I'll give you uh, the link to my seven foods guide. If you don't already have it, naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash seven foods, just the number seven and foods. And that will give you the top seven foods to begin eliminating from your child's diet today and why it explains in that uh, PDF a bit more. It's a transitional process because your child's going to be addicted to these. These candida and other pathogens are, you know, they're craving sugar and they're wanting all of these processed carbohydrates that will make sugar in the body too, and all of these other things. So it's important that you uh, understand um, what foods to start eliminating. And these top seven are just a good, good beginning uh, to start that transitional process. All the notes for today are going to also be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 134. Now we're going to talk about heavy metals. So lead is heavy metal that is most commonly found in buildings built, especially prior to the 1960s although lead-based paint was not banned until 1978. So it's found, uh, it's found in lead-based paint and in dust in buildings. In all of these buildings, you can just be inhaling it. Exposure is the highest for those who have lived in or visited older structures that have not been properly cleaned up. And this can include schools of all kinds because our, and our children spend countless hours in them, right? So they could be getting inhaling dust from a classroom that has lead-based uh, products that were made, you know, that the building was created with years ago. Breathing in the dust or getting it on their hands and ending up in the mouth, even in minute, small, small amounts can cause lead poisoning. It can also enter the body through a cut of skin or a piece of lead as small as a grain of salt can actually poison you. So it can come from, here's some of the places that you might notice it from, the dust from old lead-based buildings we, we mentioned uh, from paints, soil, lead plumbing fixtures. And even if you've had the pipes changed uh, uh, from an old house, you've had the pipes changed, the lead fittings on the pipes might still be lead, the fittings. Uh, newsprint from newspapers, ceramic glaze uh, is very common for people who, uh, who, who make ceramics, cosmetics, Imported toys, especially um, many from China and different uh, pieces of jewelry. These are just some common areas. The Mayo Clinic stated that children under the age of six are especially vulnerable to lead poisoning. Lead crosses the blood-brain barrier and even in small amounts severely affects the brain, the kidneys, the cardiovascular system, and the reproductive system. Lead easily passes through the placenta from mother to baby, directly affecting brain development, and it can cause mental retardation, difficulty with visual and motor coordination, and cognitive learning disabilities that can last a lifetime. Lead is known to be a contributor to ADHD. It also reduces iron and zinc in the body, and iron is needed for the production of the neurotransmitter dopamine. Lead disrupts normal brain neurotransmitter functions, such as acetylcholine, which affects memory and motor function, dopamine, affecting autonomic motor control in the brain, behavior, and emotions, serotonin levels in the brain, which help to regulate violence, mood, sleep, and appetite, 
and the GABA system, which we rely on to keep our brain signals calm when the system is disrupted. And then we commonly will experience things like anxiety. Uh, this is really common. All of these, and, and a, a lot of these uh, are all, these brain neurotransmitters are also made in the gut. So jumping back to the gut for a second, if the gut is not working properly, these neurotransmitters also cannot uh, be built properly and we're deficient in them. Exposure to high levels of lead may cause anemia, weakness, and kidney and brain damage. Very high lead exposure can be fatal. Lead can cross the placenta, again, which means pregnant women who are exposed to lead also expose their unborn child. Lead can damage the developing baby's nervous system. And a study by the Center for the Disease Control, or the CDC, in 2017 noted, a decrease in lead exposure in early childhood is significantly responsible for the drop in crime rate. Summary, kids exposed to lead as young children are more likely to be suspended or incarcerated during school years, suggests a new study. Lead can go undetected, showing no obvious symptoms. However, a child with high levels of lead in a system is more likely to fail the third grade due to learning difficulties. This heavy metal toxicity is commonly overlooked. Some of the symptoms to look for in lead poisoning, neurological problems like learning disabilities, depression, poor memory, problems with social engagement. Are we starting to sound familiar? Aggressive and even violent behavior, gastrointestinal problems, constipation, diarrhea, nausea and or vomiting, poor appetite, weight loss, insomnia, a metal taste in the mouth, excessive fatigue, hyperactivity, headaches, seizures, anemia, kidney problems, reproductive problems, and weakness in the muscles of the hand. Now we'll move on to mercury. Those at the highest risk of mercury toxicity are those with developing brains, such as fetuses, infants, and children. Males are also at higher risk because testosterone enhances its neurotoxicity. So autism affects four times as many boys as girls and hormones play a big, big part in this. The neurotoxicity of mercury is actually enhanced by testosterone, which is predominant in boys. Autism is sometimes labeled as an extreme male brain because higher levels of estrogen in females actually protect the brain, especially uh, the hippocampus, the part of the brain that helps regulate emotions and memory. Mercury amalgam fillings, dental fillings are a big culprit here as, uh, as our vaccinations. Um, they release the mercury amalgam, especially when, it, when a mother has them, uh, they, the vapors release into her system, she becomes mercury toxic. And then uh, we, we release these toxins into the baby when we're uh, when they're in utero. Uh, so the baby can actually be born with mercury toxicity. Some of the symptoms of mercury toxicity are excessive irritability and anger, very timid behavior, depression, weakness, delirium, insomnia, apathy, impaired concentration, poor memory, abnormal motor coordination, suicidal tendencies, personality changes, obsessive compulsive disorder. And then some of the biological effects of mercury can cause a lifelong immune deficiency, causes a loss of glutathione, which is our body's master antioxidant, 
resists removal of pathogenic pathogenic yeast. It, it inhibits the body's ability to keep yeast balanced and, and allows uh, yeast to overgrow, candida to overgrow. Inactivates contacted molecules of glutathione twofold, reduces antioxidant levels, disrupts metabolism of creatine, so poor muscle tone and weakness, renders the body defenseless against free radicals, interrupts protein synthesis, retards brain development by interfering with DNA and RNA function, depletes protein-bound sulfhydryl groups, groups, lowers the body's immunity, destroys glutamate transport proteins and causing miswiring of the brain. This is really, really important when your child is very young and their brain is is developing this miswiring, destroys enzyme functions, promotes inflammatory cytokines, disrupts protein digestion, it just goes on and on. Uh, affects the hypothalamus in the brain, which is responsible for metabolic function, function and hormones, hunger, thirst, body temperature, circadian rhythm, why they can't sleep. Um, it can be suppressive to the immune system, can inhibit neurotransmitters such as serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine, increases the body's lipid peroxidation where the fatty membranes in our body are oxidized by free radical damage, and affecting organs such as the brain. Um, it increases susceptibility to seizures, renders the brain vulnerable to damage of excitotoxins. And I know this is a lot. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm really pushing a point here and I'm not even done because I want you to understand how these can relate to autism and the symptoms of autism. Because the good news is that I'm gonna get to is that these things can be cleared naturally. And when they do, then many of these symptoms can either be reduced or dissolved. Aluminum. Aluminum reduces the phospholipids or fat structure in the myelin, which is the carrier of messages to and from the brain. Unfortunately, the brain holds onto aluminum and has a hard time letting go. You may already be aware that aluminum is a big, big culprit to the cause of Alzheimer's disease. So once in the brain, it distributes itself, but primarily affects the DNA synthesis, controlling how our cells function and depletes, it also depletes mineral absorption. Aluminum is very highly in all vaccinations, just so you're aware, it's in soil, it's in the air we breathe. And, uh, and so we are daily needing to detoxify this out. Aluminum affects the following neurotransmitters, again, acetylcholine, uh, norepinephrine for attention and focus, dopamine, that feel-good chemical, uh, and our ability to focus and concentrate, and serotonin for mood, sleep, and appetite. Now I'm going to move on from the heavy metals to the co-infections of autism. They are commonly missed, and uh, or if they are even found, they are commonly worked with and treated improperly. It, this isn't about just loading your child up with a bunch more bunch of antibiotics or drugs because they the antibiotics for one will reduce more of any good bacteria they have left in their gut and deplete them further. Uh, so you might see an initial increase in, in them improving, but then long term they get much worse. Very important to know that too. So uh, the co-infections that I'm going to just talk about here briefly uh, are mold biotoxins, PANS, Lyme disease, and parasites. Many of the symptoms in these infections overlap, but they do cause similar distress and must 
must be treated properly or your results on your autism recovery journey will be minimal. So I'm going to give you some of these symptoms here. We'll start with mold. It's called, it's also called chronic inflammatory response or CIRS. Uh, the most common symptoms are neurological pulmonary, which is of course our, our lungs and breathing, visual dizziness and stiffness or pain in the back of the head or neck. Um, although they can vary greatly, um, these can contribute to leaky gut very much, hormonal imbalance and tolerance of carbohydrates and uh, gluten, dairy, and sugar um, intolerance and problems with those. Chronic inflammation in the brain can cause behavioral problems, learning difficulties, lack of focus, again, hormonal. So you might wake exhausted, never really feeling like you got a good night's sleep. Chronic fatigue, flu-like symptoms, respiratory issues, might be hard to take a really deep breath. Chronic pain in various parts of the body, stomach aches or pain, pituitary or hormonal problems, trouble focusing, language difficulty, learning disabilities, poor memory, anxiety, anger, depression, ADD and ADHD, weight gain, poor blood clotting, such as nosebleeds, chronic headaches, uh, abdominal pain and GI problems, chronic candida, diarrhea, bedwetting, nasal infections, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, poor vision, sinus problems. Any of those sound familiar? Now, possible neurological symptoms to look for. And here we go with the overlap of mimicking the symptoms of autism again. Impulsivity, issues with learning and memory, trouble with fine motor coordination, reclusive behavior, lack of enjoyment and things that should be enjoyable, language trouble, such as comprehending and articulating words, tics, obsessive compulsive disorder, depression type symptoms, anxiety and panic issues, and atypical seizures. Now we're going to move on to the next co-infection, which is an acronym uh, called PANS or PANDAS. It stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. And when it's PANDAS, that means associated with strep or streptococcal infections. An overactive immune reaction commonly brought on by streptococcal infections or toxic exposure, pathogens, bacteria, viruses, inflammation, rapid detoxification that the body can't keep up with due to liver congestion and poorly working detoxification pathways. The symptoms often include sudden onset of obsessive compulsive disorder. And I mean, sudden onset, like all of a sudden you'll notice things change, clinginess, fearfulness. Maybe they're afraid to go to sleep at night or they're afraid for you to leave. They'll have motor or verbal tics, chronic fatigue, poor handwriting, trouble sleeping, biting, overly emotional, abdominal pain, anxiety, and there are many more. We're going to move on now to Lyme disease. They're saying that now close to 100% of children with autism have Lyme disease. It's very, very commonly missed in testing, even if you are tested for it, and then treated improperly as well. It's on the rise. Um, and, and again, um, it's usually contract contracted through a tick bite, but now some of these ticks can be as small as a poppy seed and go unnoticed. Lyme can also be passed in utero from mom to child, as well in, as in breast milk and mosquitoes and head lice, and horse flies, things like that will also carry it. And if you get bitten, you can contract it that way as well. 
uh, some of the symptoms of Lyme's disease. Now, this is really, really important to listen to this one. They very much mimic many, many uh, of the symptoms of autism. Attention deficit disorder or ADD, learning difficulties, obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes, I know many of these co-infections overlap. That's why it's important to naturally treat all of them, not just one or two. Depression, anger and rage. Rageful anger is very, very common with Lyme's disease. Tantrums, increased oppositional behavior, abdominal pain, headaches, night sweating, chills, possible fever or flu-like symptoms, frequent urination, sudden onset of sleep disturbance, joint pain, neck pain, fatigue, difficulty breathing, dry cough, pain on the sole of the foot, visual problems, poor balance, hand flapping, emotional withdrawal, irritability, reduced social participation, red or purple stretch marks that can be anywhere on the body, often see those on the hips, Bell's palsy, which is like a facial drooping, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and heart conditions. Now I'm going to talk about parasites. These are so, so important. And again, so commonly missed and so commonly treated improperly. They are also cyclic from about almost the same as human gestation, about every nine months. So uh, it's very important that because you might get adults when you do an initial treatment, kill the adults off, but then they laid eggs. And then once those eggs gestate and hatch, then you've got a whole new myriad of issues to go for you. So um, parasite symptoms, number one symptom, and a lot of people do not know this or uh, aren't aware that the number one symptom of parasites is constipation. I did a, a, a survey once and of all the things I asked parents, what their number one thing what, that they wanted to do to help reduce their child, you know, help their child with, it came out to be constipation, which I know is common, but it surprised me that it wasn't something more um, emotional, you know, that's debilitating in their life, but it was constipation. Another thing to look for is teeth grinding. Uh, very, very common with parasite hair pulling, sinus issues, they'll crave sugar, just like with candida, you crave sugar, itchy skin, anger and crazy type or wild behaviors, brain fog, chronic fatigue, diarrhea, mouthing, chewing, or drooling. They'll be hungry all the time. The parasites eat the nutrition from the food that, that we eat. So the body is hungry because it's craving the nutrition that it's not actually absorbing and getting from that food that's being eaten. So do these sound a lot like autism? Does any of this sound familiar to you? Uh, this is what I wanted you to know. It's very important that autism is a diagnostic label. Even even says in the DSM-5, it is a label. It does not mean our, this is who our child is or that they have to live with any debilitating uncomfortable and uh, symptoms that make their life unpleasant for any longer than they need to. And there are things that you can do about it. So in summary, heal the gut, heal the holes up, get the parasites eradicated, build the good, good bacteria to restore it to balance. So then the gut can be strong again and the immune system can be strong. And then they're 
uh, brain can, can function better because the inflammation and the neurotransmitters are, uh, have improved. The heavy metals can be naturally and safety, safely detoxified. Co-infections cleared properly. These can then uh, reduce or even remove the symptoms of autism. And that is why autism can be recovered from. It is not a mental illness. It is a biological one. This doesn't mean an over, you know, to overload the, the body with harmful drugs. There are natural and safe ways to do this for better mental clarity and sleep and communication and mood stability, their ability to connect with others, stronger immune system, so much more. And I am going to go into depth in all of this and show you how to walk, how I can help you through it. And I've helped hundreds of parents with this worldwide in over 40 countries now. So please, please join me because very, very soon. I have a free live virtual three-hour masterclass that I will be teaching and going through all of this, but in more depth, I will be doing Q&A a few times during the event. So sometimes it goes over three hours because I want to be able to answer questions during it and show you how I can help you because I know that, that this can be challenging and it can be very confusing. And I spent a lot of time and money that I wasted on things that didn't work because I didn't have somebody who had to mentor me who had been through it before all of this, not just a good diet, but I mean everything. And so I figured out from on my own and now I share it with you. The link to the, the masterclass, which again is free. I'm doing that completely free for you is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash masterclass, all one word. Please, please grab your spot now while, uh, while it's available. If you missed it, then be sure to get on the wait list and be notified for it for the future. Uh, we only do them a couple times a year. And so I don't want you to miss out. It's really, really important information that could literally change your, your child's life and your own as a parent and for your entire family. So again, knowledge is the key to simplifying and getting the results that you desire. And I want to help to educate you and to support you on this journey. I know how challenging it is personally, and I want you to know that you're not alone anymore. So uh, please join me for this free masterclass. Again, the link is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash masterclass. All of the show notes for today will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 134. And uh, this is all to help you to help your child live a healthier, happy, happier, and literally more productive life. So I want to teach you the how-to and this all-natural autism recovery A to Z roadmap um, because I have done it. I've lived through it. I've, I've come out of the other end with success, and I've helped hundreds of parents worldwide uh, to uh, help their children as well and uh, help them on support them on this path. So I hope to do that for you. I want to thank you so much again for being here. Um, if this is helpful for you, please, please leave me a good review on iTunes. Um, share it with your friends on Facebook or social media. The, the link to the, the page again is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 134. There are a lot of parents and families out there who need these resources and need this help. And uh, we want to, you know, reach them as, as best we can. If you can help me do that and get them this valuable information to help them, they will greatly appreciate it too, because we all are one community of, 
parents and families that are, are working with, you know, the same types of challenges. And whenever we can help one another, it makes a big difference and it really does matter. So again, thank you for being here. Please, please grab uh, your spot for the masterclass now because it's coming up soon. And I really, really look forward to seeing you then. Take care.